Hi all, dear listeners. Welcome to this new episode of my podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. Today, I have the huge pleasure of being joined by Wonki Min, Ambassador for Science, Technology and Innovation of the Republic of Korea. Welcome, Wonki, to my show. Thank you, Oriol, for inviting me here. Well, as, as I said before, it's, um, it's going to be my pleasure to host you, and I think it's going to be especially interesting to hear from you um, because, well, you are my first uh, guest from, from the Republic of Korea, so uh, I'm sure it's going to be uh, very enlightening for both myself and I hope uh, to my listeners uh, as well. I also hope that our talk can give some ideas to our audience that how they can do business with Korea, at the same time, what kind of thing they can expect from Korea. And I think, though, that before uh, starting to, to talk about uh, science and technology and innovation in Korea, maybe we should start like from the very beginning. And I would like to start by asking you if you could please uh, share a bit more with my listeners about your personal journey. And also, uh, given that you uh, worked uh, uh, for more than 25 years in uh, in the Korean government and international organizations. If you could please as well, uh, well, let us know what kind of tasks uh, you've been doing for the Korean government as well. Okay, thank you very much. I started my career as deputy director at the Korean government in 1988, so long, long times ago. And when I started the job at the, at the time, the Ministry of Communications, uh, internet was not there. So one of the, my jobs, which I still remember very well, is commercializing the internet in Korea. That was 1993. So we actually take this internet as a granted, but internet has been around us since then, 1993, 1992. It depends on the country where you live. But when first it came to my attention, I actually experienced difficulties to explain what kind of technology it is to my bosses. <laughs> so they tried to actually regulate the internet just as telecommunication services. So I tried to appreciate that this is not a service we could regulate just like the telecommunication services that will actually stifle the competition in the marketplace. So we actually commercialized this and then I I went to actually OECD and working there at, for three years at the secretariat. And I was responsible for the regulatory reform project at that time. At that time, e, the European Union countries and most of the OECD countries actually were in the process of liberalizing telecommunications market. So even in 1998, 1999, not many countries have competi had competition in the telecommunication market. And so there were some concerns how to harmonize the regulation across the OECD countries. So we did actually regulatory reform review on countries. So I wrote a paper and I wrote paper on the Netherlands, Italy, Greece, Korea, Japan, and all those countries, and had a chance to actually learn about the regulatory system in those countries. And then came back to Korea again and serving as the chief secretary to the minister. And then take, taking a director position at the telecommunication competition bureau. 
so I I was responsible for the privatization of Korea Telecom. Then that was the incumbent operator. And then I went to actually World Bank and working there for three years. And I was responsible for the broadband projects. So I went to Trinidad and Tobago and Morocco, those countries, and providing a consultation to the government officials in those countries. And then coming back to Korea, and then I was responsible for the radio management. So I was the head of the central radio management office. And I, I was also, I, I was also responsible for the kind of the how to promote the IT sector in the in the in Korea. And then I became the spokesperson for the ministry, and then deputy minister and vice minister. And internationally, I served as the ITU plenipotentiary chair 2014. And I was also the chair of the 2015 ITU council. And I chaired the OECD Committee on Digital Economy Policy for three years. And I was honored to chair OECD AI expert group, which produced OECD AI recommendations. And currently, um, and then I was actually I became the president of State University of New York, Korea, and serving two years as the president of the university. And then I, I'm currently serving as ambassador for science, technology, and innovation for my country. Well, uh, thank you very much for sharing your uh, personal journey with um, uh, me and all my listeners. And well, I think that um, what you mentioned before about uh, the internet in the early 90s is a clear example of um, how technologies evolved so fast. No, I mean, yeah. less than 30 years ago, um, many people didn't even know what the internet actually was. No, I mean, so I think it's quite interesting to see you know, how fast everything is evolving right now and how important uh, innovation and technology has become for most uh, advanced uh, countries. Mm -hmm. So um, following this, I would like now to dig a bit deeper on this idea of uh, science and technology and innovation in, in the Republic of uh, Korea. And I think it would be fair to start by, by asking you, uh, well, what do you think, what are your thoughts on the current situation of all these areas, you know, uh, technology, science and innovation in, in Korea? Actually, last year, Bloomberg ranked Korea as number one country in, in, in their national and global uh, innovation index. So, Korea is ranked as number one as the most innovative country in the world. So, which is a clear actual sign of what how Korea is doing in the field of science, technology, and innovation. When you look at the numbers, Korea actually put 5% of GDP in R&D. That is the second highest in the world, just next to Israel. So Israel is number one, but the difference is very, the margin is very small. So we put almost 5% of the total GDP in R&D, which clearly shows how much emphasis we put on technology, science, and innovation. Korea does not have any natural resources. We are not a country which have many resources or huge population. So we, we just have over 50 million population. So how the way we can survive and the way we can actually thrive in the global competition is actually we can maintain technological edge over other countries. 
but we know that competition is very hard. We, previously, there were not many countries which took this kind of approach. So, and Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, you can name just a few countries which actually took steps to use this science and technology to make national development. However, nowadays, most countries actually take the same kind of strategy to make their national developments. And you can see the kind of recent advancement of China and India and all those countries. So competition is getting harder. And we realize very well that we need to move fast and we need to move to the right direction because the technology is evolving so fast, as you mentioned. So it's not easy to find out the right way to move on because sometimes if you pick, pick the kind of long technology, even though that technology looks quite promising, but in terms of the capitalization of the technology, it, it takes long years. If you put too much national resources, financial resources on that technology, then you will be in trouble. So it is very important to do the right technology assessment in the decision-making process and sharing those informations with industry, academia, and research institutions. So the whole ecosystem can make the right choice and can put the efforts together to maintain and to build global competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And why do you think uh... Korea decided to take this approach on this uh, because you mentioned that uh, Korea devotes uh, approximately 5% of its GDP in uh, science and technology and innovation. And I mean, we are talking about a very huge uh, figure. I don't have the exact figures, for example, for other countries, but I seem to remember that uh, the country where I was born, Spain, um, well, it has a population not so different from that of Korea, 48 million people living in Spain. But when it comes to the amount of, of uh, our GDP devoted to uh, science and technology, I think we're talking about a 1.5%, 1, 1. so it's much less than Korea. So why did Korea decide to, to bet so, uh, well, so strongly no, on these uh, relevant areas? It, going back to maybe in, in, even in 1970s or even late 1960s, when we were one of the poorest countries in the world, uh, our leader at the time, the President Park Chung-hee actually realized that the only way we could actually make national development is because we, as I already mentioned, we do not have natural resources. Mm -hmm. At the time, we did not have financial resources and even human resources because we do not have a human capacity actually to deliver something good, something very high quality. So what we did was actually we tried to benchmark other countries who made success in the national economic growth, such as Germany and Korea, Japan. They were actually the kind of the losing countries in World War II. So they were defeated and their economy was not that good. But they made a kind of economic growth based on the industrial policy. Very well-coordinated and sophisticated industrial policy. So we actually benchmarked that kind of approach. That was the reason when we got the kind of financial aid from World Bank and from foreign countries. 
we put those money in the strategic industries such as chemical industry and steel industry, automobile industry, shipbuilding industry. And we also tried to build some kind of ecosystem there. So we, get, we gave some kind of preference to the engineering school students. So here in Korea, we have to go to military four months. So we have to serve the military two years. Previously, it was three years. Now it's less than two years, but it's a huge, huge actually burden for young people. But if you go to engineering school and stay at the industry for five years, you are exempted from that kind of military duty. So that system has been there for a long time, for a long time. And at the same time, because our private sector was so fragile in 1960s, 70s, 80s, even in 80s, so what we did was actually build some public research institutions. They, and these institutions supported the whole industry, not just small and medium-sized enterprises, even big com companies like Samsung and LG. So when Samsung and LG first introduced their mobile phones and their mobile switching system, that technology actually was supported by ATRI. That was, that is still the government sponsored the research institution. So we tried to build this kind of ecosystem, which is support the whole industry based on the R&D. Because we did not, we did not still, we do not have kind of national natural resources like any other countries. So the only way Korea can compete and Korea can actually stay in competition in the global economy is actually we should excel in technology and science. Mm -hmm. I see. No, I mean, um, if I say something wrong, uh, please uh, correct me. No, but I'm I'm a huge fan of um, Korea's history, and I've tried to to study your history like uh, well in many different ways. And I'm also a huge fan of your of your cinema and literature. No, and I think I must have like watched <laughs> over like uh, fifty or sixty Korean movies in just one year. No, so by by um, watching your movies and reading your books and trying to study your history, well, I, I realized. Um, that and as I said before, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, uh, Korea's case is remarkable because um, from a not so wealthy country in the late 70s or early 80s to where you are today, it shows that um, things have been uh, properly done. No, and and I think uh, I mean that uh, this uh, R and D approach may have a huge. Uh, like an uh, important role in this growth as well, because instead of focusing on other areas, you decided to excel in, in where you can actually be stronger. You know? Because as you said, Korea has not enough natural resources. So instead of, of that, you focus on, on, I think, areas more related to innovation. And I think that, um, well, to me, that's remarkable, you know, what, this kind of evolution that we've seen in Korea you know, from the 80s until today. Yeah, I think this is not unique, but Korea is unique in a sense to make a success by taking this kind of model. So Korea is still the only country which actually received the kind of the financial support from international organizations such as the World Bank and Asian Development Bank. Now we become the donor country. So this is the only case in the world that this country feature received this kind of financial aid from the international organizations just turn itself into a donor country. So even you, we know that what kind of the 
policy options are available in the marketplace. But effectively implementing that and achieving some kind of outcome is a totally different story. In order to do that, you must actually have a very strong leadership. At the same time, all of your people and corporate private sector and academia needs to actually work together to actually achieve the goal, the national goal set by the country. Nowadays, the Korean economy and society is more diversified. So it is very difficult to actually share that kind of single national goal with all people or, or corporations. But in 1960s, 70s, until 80s, I think this kind of national goal was shared with the general public and most of the companies. So country actually is still working very vibrantly in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. I see. And well, we all know that um, uh, Seoul uh, being your capital and biggest city plays a, a very important role no, in, in Korea's uh, innovation science uh, um, in, the, in this area. But, uh, but still, I know that there are more relevant areas. So I wanted to ask you, like, uh, what's uh, Seoul's uh, role? Uh, what's Seoul doing better than, than other financial centers? And also whether a there is like any other area that in Korea that you think is also like uh, very interesting from this uh, startup slash innovation uh, perspective. Yeah, Seoul is, is a big city. Seoul is a big city. It has more than 10 million population and it becomes global city. So nowadays, when you just walk down the street, you can see many foreigners in downtown Seoul or in Gangnam area. And many foreign actually engineers and even startup companies are starting doing their business in Seoul. So Seoul is doing very well in that sense. And the Seoul Metropolitan Government provides, they provide these spaces for startup companies. They have their own financing program and they actually provide this public Wi-Fi. So wherever you go, you can be connected to this broadband internet services in Seoul. So Seoul metropolitan area is very good to do business for foreigners. However, we also have some cities, very strategic cities, we try to actually attract more foreign companies, which is actually Pangyo and Songdo. Uh, Pangyo is located just south of part of Seoul. So it's just an adjacent city, neighboring city of Seoul. And Hangyeo is a part of Songnam city, but we actually built this city, try to build the, the Korean Silicon Valley. So when you go to Hangyeo, there are big actually corporations such as Neighbor, Kakao, and big game companies such as NeoWiz and Nexen. And even you can find many foreign companies there. So it's a kind of cluster. So especially for digital IT companies are located in that area. And Songdo is a kind of city built as, as designed as smart city in 19, started from 1990. So about 30 years ago, uh, we built this city. And this city is very famous for this bio-related startup companies. And there is a big, Two corporations, Samsung, Samsung Biosys, and the 
another big company there. So they built this ecosystem. So small and medium-sized and startup bio companies that they're working together with this Samsung and another company there. So, so there are some areas, not just Seoul, but there are some cities and areas which become more of a kind of global hub for startup companies. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned uh, this uh, uh, Songdo International Business uh, District. And well, I'm, I've also been very interested in smart cities. Actually, my area of research a few years ago was uh, that one. So um, I wanted to ask you a, well, a bit more about it. Like, uh, as far as I know, uh, Songdo is um, con conceptualized as uh, the ultimate uh, smart and sustainable uh, city. So um, what, what does it look like and, and why was it created the way it was? Because Songdo has an advantage because it was built from the greenfield, actually. That it was built on the reclaimed land. If you have a kind of old city, to retrofit that as a smart city is a much tougher challenge to build a smart city on greenfield. So that was the one of the advantages it enjoyed from the start, from the beginning, because we when we first thought about this city, we tried to, at, even in 19, that was 1980, we thought about building this Songdo. And we, we designed this city as a ubiquitous city. So wherever you go, you could be connected to this ubiquitous mobile network and sensor network will collect data and provide information to the city government and companies locating, located there. So, if you could do that from the beginning without any kind of obstacle, you, you could build this kind of city. The problem Songdo faces now, right now, is actually because it was designed in about 30 more years ago. So now new technologies come, come up. So they need to actually upgrade their technology. Songdo originally is actually had 700 sensors, if my recollection is correct to collect data, so provide some traffic information, and so use this kind of the, how the city lamps are actually working, or those kind of things. But there are new applications coming up based on this mobile platform and many things. So they actually, I, 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 I'm still serving as the kind of co-chair of Incheon Job Committee, Incheon Metropolitan City Job Committee with the mayor. And whenever I have a chance to talk with him, we discussed the kind of the, the, the need to improve the kind of applications currently used in the Songdo metropolitan city. So I see this smart city thing as another kind of one-time construction project. I see this smart city thing as a kind of building smart city ecosystem. So it can evolve over the time with the, as technology evolves. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, thank you very much for for sharing, and before you mentioned as well this idea of um, Korea's uh, Silicon Valley, so I wanted to ask you about, um, uh, well, uh, Korea's uh, startup scene. Uh, what does it look like? And also, as far as I know, um, even though uh, South Korea's startup scene is very strong, it hasn't reached yet the level, for example, of uh, Israel or Singapore. And I know that some people say, uh, I may be wrong, but what, what, that's what they say, you know, that maybe it's because 
Korea hasn't managed yet to attract uh, enough international talent. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on this part as well. Yeah, that's a very good question. That's a kind of the question we try to solve and try to address in a light way. So when you look at the current startup atmosphere here in Korea, the most encouraging thing is previously when the, this college student, when they are doing work at college, their actual goal was going to Samsung or big banks or some, something like that, big established companies. They would like to actually build their career in this big conglomerates. However, nowadays it's changing, changing very fast. So when we do survey on what kind of companies do you want to go to college student, they want to go to this tech startup company. And some of them really want to build their own company. So this is a kind of big shift from the kind of previous kind of legacy environment where people actually prepared kind of stability over kind of the taking some risks. Nowadays, this younger generation, they would like to actually test the market and go to the market and build their own company. So that is the most promising thing. And when you look at the number here, so year 2017, the amount of venture capital money put into these startups was around, around 30, 3 trillion won, 3 trillion won. That is approximately 2.5 billion US dollar. But last year, then number was tripled, tripled at the end. So it went over 7 trillion won which is almost 6.5 or 6.8 actually billion US dollars. So now venture capitals can, can have companies to invest their money, startup companies. So number of tech startup companies are increasing rapidly. So these are all good indicators. We can see that the Korean startup actually atmosphere and environment is getting better and better. But as you rightly mentioned, when you compare that kind of our startup ecosystem with that of Singapore, Israel, or Boston and Dallas, and even Berlin, you name it, there are more vibrant, actually global tech startup cities. Maybe there are some reasons because we use Korean language and still not many Korean people can speak English comfortably. They understand well, but it's not easy for them to communicate with foreigners, which makes foreign actually startup companies difficult to come to Korea because it's not just a business environment. They actually need to bring their family here. So their family need to live together with the community. The language is very important. So that's the reason we try to build Songdo and Pangyo as a global startup hub. So when you go to Songdo, you can see many foreigners there. And I was the kind of the president of State University of New York, Korea that is located in Songdo. We have 50% of my, our faculty was at the time foreigners and 20% of students are foreign students. And I encouraged foreign students to stay here in Korea and to do your business. So they actually 
feel not much difficulty in doing their business in the area like Songdo or Panjo. However, still, compared with the Singapore, Singapore, where you, when you go there, you just speak English. You, know, you, you can just take taxi and speak English where you want to go. Israel, you, you experience this very similar thing. But here in Korea, you actually need some kind of this mobile app to find out where to go and what kind of subway train you, you need to take. So it's not just a kind of a business support and the kind of financial support, technical support we are providing. We actually provide, I think, even better services than those countries in terms of the public support. Uh, but because of the kind of the cultural thing, we may need some time to catch up these countries. This, but I think the pace of catching up is actually now we are almost there. We are almost there, especially in some specific places like Songdo and Panjo. And I hope, I hope that we can attract more foreign talents here in Korea so they can enjoy this good infrastructure to make their business actually thriving. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm sure you will. You will attract uh, foreign talent because um, Korea is a very interesting country. And even though, as you said before, there is or there may be a language barrier, I would say as well that based on my experience there as a tourist, which I know it's different now, but still, um, I just speak like four or five words in Korean, no, but still, I mean, it was never like very difficult for me to to be able to to get understood by by local mm. Koreans, uh, because I think that Korean people are very uh, open-minded and international. So even though there may be this language barrier sometimes, and I know that in business it's important to to remove as many barriers as possible, I think that, that the right mindset and environment is there. No, so I think it it's actually a place uh, very interesting. You know, for foreigners as well to well to try to to move to and, and do business with. Yeah, it's very encouraging to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's my personal experience. No, I know that maybe somebody else's uh, experience may be different. I don't know, but my experience was was great in that sense. So I think uh, it's actually a very international place. Mm -hmm. Korea becomes more global every day. No, I can tell. I can tell. And I also think that um, uh, foreign people are also starting to become much more interested towards Korea as well. No, it's not just Korea being more open, no, because um, I know it may it may sound um, uh, silly, but, you know, for example, this very successful series, The Squid Game, which uh, was yeah. on Netflix. Uh, I mean, it was watched like uh, by millions and millions of people worldwide, even people I know in Europe who have like no interest whatsoever in, in Asia or Asian series or Asian movies, watch that series and, and try to learn a bit more about Seoul, about Korea. So I think this kind of thing, this kind of very strong soft power that Korea has right now when it comes to uh, K-pop movies may actually be very success successful when it comes to to Korea's uh, startups, uh, startup scene and innovation scene, no? because it's kind of um, opening uh, Korea to the world in a different way. Uh, I mean, I, I, at least this is my, my my opinion on this. I think that that's our analysis too. When you look at the popularity of Speed Game and Korean dramas and popularity of BTS and Blackpink, so especially younger generation, the global younger generation, they know Korea very well and they are interested in coming over here. I actually, some of my students and the State University of New York, they mentioned that 
they were big fan of this K-pop and Korean drama. That was one of the kind of motivations for them actually to come to Korea for studying. So it makes them feel more comfortable because they already know what kind of society and community it is through drama, Korean drama and Korean pop songs, all those kind of things. That certainly helps. But at the same time, we have to do our homework. We need more international schools here. We also need a kind of a residential community where we can accommodate this foreign, actually startup related families, not just a startup, but more foreign actual talents here in Korea. Indeed. I mean, I see that soft power plays a very important role, but much more than that is required. But still, I think that uh, overall, uh, my listeners will agree that um, that Korea has been doing a remarkable job these last few years. Um, and unfortunately, we are running out of time now. Uh, there are oh, like okay. many more topics that <laughs> I would have liked to discuss with you because I know that uh, you played a big role as well in, in Korea's uh, 5G structure. So there are many things that I would have liked to discuss. Uh, as I said, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but uh, I would like to host you again in the future if you want, because it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Oro. So let me say one thing, because at, uh, in the during our talk, I didn't remember the name of the company, bio company in Songdo. That company what is Sertrion. Sertrion is a kind okay. of a company I would like to actually introduce to our audience. At the same time, as you rightly mentioned, I also would like to be invited here once again so I can introduce our 5G strategy, 5G plus strategy, and their AI, national AI strategy. So this is a, not just a strategy for Korea. We actually try to cooperate and collaborate with our foreign partners. In the world of artificial intelligence, no single company or no single country can do everything. 